Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Sliding Doors 25, a podcast series to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the 90s movie classic Sliding Doors. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life and career, I've always been fascinated with the theory that everything happens for a reason, and of course the film Sliding Doors. On the previous episode, we reminisced about the film being released to the world and how it changed the lives of the cast and crew. And we delved into the sliding doors theory and all the different ways it can present itself. Welcome back to the final part in our sliding doors 25th anniversary series. And this one is a goodie. This is my favourite part of everything that I do, hearing about other people's sliding doors moments. I love hearing about the moment that people are able to pinpoint as the exact point where their life could change forever. In 2011, Gwyneth Paltrow spoke about her sliding doors moment when she received a letter from a woman who believed that the actress may have saved her life on the day of the 9-11 terrorist attacks in New York. In an interview with Reuters, she explained the story. An actor is now going to step into the shoes of Gwyneth and retell the story. I had gone to a yoga class very early. I was on my way home, and it was the morning of September 11th. Not that I knew at the time what that meant. And a girl was jaywalking across the street, and we kind of both stopped at the same time and waited a really long time. The woman did this stop-start thing for a time and began to laugh before she finally went on her way. Ten years later, I got a letter from her saying that she had been late for work and went down to the station to catch her train to go down to the World Trade Center, where she worked on the 77th floor of the South Tower, and the train was just pulling out. So had we not had that interaction, she feels like her life would have taken a much different course. She called it her sliding doors moment. This is such an incredible story. 
So many people on that day must have had their own sliding doors moments. And this moment is incredible at aligning tiny pockets of seconds, minutes, that led a woman to be late for a train. And who knows, those few seconds may have just saved her life. Throughout my two years of hosting the podcast, I've had the pleasure of interviewing over 60 guests and delving into over 180 sliding doors moments. So I obviously couldn't let my guests go without them telling us some sliding doors moments from their lives. My name is Jean Triplehorn and I was Lydia. The most important sliding door moment for me would be uh, around after making sliding doors. I was living in Los Angeles and I decided to... I just didn't want to live here anymore. I wanted to go back where I started, uh, go back to New York. And so I decided I was going to move and my furniture and everything was on a truck moving across the country. And I just got this call. Do you want to do this little film in Canada and Toronto? And do you want to just, you know, you could, you could literally on your way to New York, just stop in, work for a couple of weeks and then go to New York. And I thought, you know what, I'm single. I'm just, yeah, all right, I'm going to do it. And so while my truck of furniture is traveling, I stop into Toronto and that's where I reconnected with and never looked back. We we saw each other. We had a sliding elevator door moment where uh, I was waiting in the hotel lobby and the, and the elevator door opened and he was sort of behind a couple of people and he saw me and just put his hand, sort of hand out and waved at me. And, um, and we started talking on the phone and, and we, we've, have a son. <laughs> We've been married for almost, we have been married for 22 years. My name is David Hirschfelder. I'm the composer of the score to Sliding Doors. The first Sliding Doors moment I can remember was I was only six years old, right? And I was obsessed with Superman. I had a Superman cape. I used to wear it all the time. And one day, I climbed a tree and I had my cape on and I remember thinking, I could fly. Shall I fly? Or no, maybe I can't fly. No, I can. No, I can't. I'm not sure. And then at one, so maybe there was two of me. One decided to jump and fell because, of course, I couldn't fly, sadly. And I fell to the ground, broke my leg and ended up uh, ended up sort of having not being able to do anything for about eight weeks. So you know what I did in that eight weeks? I sat in front of the piano the whole time and that's when I really fell in love with the piano. I am Peter Howitt and I wrote the script for Sliding Doors and I directed it. I think my acting career started because uh, we were living in Bromley in Kent and my mum sent me out one day and said, uh, go and get a Saturday job. Don't come back without a Saturday job. So I went all around Bromley High Street and nobody was hiring anyone. So I got the bus to Eltham where I used to live, which is also in South London. And I went up Eltham High Street, for those who know, it's a very long high street with lots of shops in it. And I started at the bottom, Burton's Tailoring used to be a shop called Burton's. 
and then over and over the street, back and forth over the street. So have you got any Saturday jobs, mister? No, no, have you got any butchers, bakers, doesn't matter, draperies, didn't matter what. Got any Saturday jobs, got any Saturday jobs? All the way up the high street. And I got to the very top of the high street and there was this shop called Criers. It was a men's outfitters. And I was so dejected at that point. I thought, oh, I'm not going in there. I'm not going to bother. What's the point? I thought, oh, just go in. Then you can say, I'm going to go home now and tell my mum I haven't got a job. You know, that's, this is the last shot. This is it. And I know he's going to say no. Not, no point in going in. And I started walking away. I thought, no, don't walk. You have to at least go in there and ask. So I went in there and I said, hello, have you got any Saturday jobs? He said, expecting the answer, no, you know. And he said, oh, actually, uh, yes, come back next Saturday. I'll give you two pounds. His name was Alan. And I remember this exactly what he said. Come back next Saturday. I'll give you two pounds. I went, oh, fantastic. Now, I went home, went back the following week, and I got that job. While I was doing that job one day, a customer came in called Terry Cooling, Terence Cooling. And I served him. He was looking for a tie. He wanted to buy a tie to go with his shirt. And we got chatting, and he told me that he was running the local amateur dramatic society across the road. And would I be in? I got talking about play. I don't know how we got talking about that. And I went and met him afterwards and he asked me to join the Dramatic Society. I was, again, only 15. And then about two weeks later, he came in and said, there's a play on, but uh, Tony Smith, the guy, one of the blokes who's going to be in the play, has broken his leg playing football that morning and they've got a show that night. Are you any good at learning scripts? I said, yeah, good, good. Could you learn that? You're going on tonight. My name is John Hanna and... 25 years ago, I played a character called James. I served an apprenticeship as an electrician millions of years ago. And I, the way they used to do it was you'd spend two years together in one particular area, in a training centre. And then you'd get sent out after two years to go and work wherever you had to work. And it could have been Hamilton. It would have been somewhere near where you lived, Hamilton or that area, Lanarkshire or Glasgow. And I ended up being sent to Glasgow South. And there was a guy that I met there who became like my kind of guru, mentor, hero. He was just great. I loved him. I loved him to death. And, uh, and he was the person that said, you should be an actor. You'd be a good actor. And I don't know what, I wasn't like, I wasn't the chattiest, funnest guy on the building site or anything. That was Andy, guy a year older than me, Andy Learmouth. He was funny. But it, it just occurred to me in the car coming back today, I wonder if I'd been sent somewhere else, what those, what that group of people would have been like and whether or not, as in the film, I might have found myself round to this path anyway or not. I might still be working in Glasgow as an electrician. Who knows? You never know. Asking someone about a sliding doors moment in their life is something that you can really ask anyone. Even if you can't pinpoint that exact moment, there are junctions we all come to in our lives that change who we become. So the sliding doors memory of my life that I can really pinpoint is having to go to my last choice of university. My first choice, the course was cancelled. My second choice wouldn't let me take a gap year. 
But at my last choice of uni, not only did I meet friends for life, but I also got a first in my degree. And I really believe that my dissertation is the reason I got my dream job, because last minute I decided to take it to a job interview with me. So a couple of small things that were out of my control and one small decision I believe paved the way for me to get to where I wanted to be in my career. My name is Maria Djokovic. I'm a production designer and that was the role I played in Sliding Doors. In about the year 2000, just only three years after Sliding Doors, I was working on a film in, in, and the production offices were in Soho and normally I drive my car everywhere, but this time, because it was going into town, I was using London Transport. Um, I ran to catch the 94 bus that stops at the very bottom of my road and just missed it. So I jumped on the tube instead. And on this tube journey, I met somebody who we just started a conversation on the tube um, I realised very quickly because we had many mutual connections that he wasn't going to be a machete murderer. Anyway, to cut a long story short, 20 years later, we're still together. I am so excited to be partnering with TFL for this series. 2023 marks the 160th anniversary of The Tube, the world's first and most famous. And TfL and the London Transport Museum are delivering a programme of activities throughout the year to celebrate the London Underground's role as the lifeblood of the city, connecting Londoners with work and leisure opportunities for the past 160 years. Activities will be themed around the Tube's innovation, its contribution to improving the environment, how it connects people and places and supports with diversity and inclusion, and its unique and world-renowned architecture and design. So keep your eyes peeled for activities throughout the year and how you can celebrate with TfL. And look out for our bonus podcast episode coming out very soon. To celebrate this momentous milestone, I asked some famous faces about their sliding doors moments and their love of the 90s rom-com. And first up, we have the lovely TV presenter, Laura Whitmore, who, like me, loved the film and all its iconic 90s style. There's definitely been a few times in my life where the direction I went in could have changed dramatically. But I do think you'll eventually end up where you're supposed to, with a little bit of push, if you're determined. Um, it's that question whether we have control over our lives or is it the universe and I think it's a little bit of both so I remember when I was younger I auditioned for a television show um, for an acting role to be in a band and I got down to the final few I was 18 and I didn't get it I was the last girl from Ireland and I didn't get it and I ended up continuing and finishing my degree at university and then in time ended up auditioning for MTV and getting that job and and I know for a fact if I had got the acting role back when I was 18 I wouldn't have had the opportunity of the MTV job because I wasn't a fresh or new face so even though I was devastated at the time I do think it's those little moments that would have maybe still been in a direction of working in the industry but maybe a different way and everything does happen for a reason also romantically I've crossed paths with my husband loads of times in the past before we got together but Things happened where he had auditioned to be the comedian on a show I was hosting. 
in Australia called I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here Now and he got down to the final two but he didn't get the job and I ended up working with a different comedian and I think if we'd worked together then we probably wouldn't have got together then because we were both in very different spaces of our of our life and it depends on when you meet someone so again that is a sliding door moment but maybe we would have met each other eventually again but I think those are two very big moments in my life that could have gone different ways. I believe in the sliding doors theory. I believe things can open up opportunities for you, but will we eventually get there? Potentially. I think with the film, it just epitomizes the 90s. Um, I mean, the hairstyle, what a difference a hairstyle can do. Gwyneth Paltrow's long, dark hair. It made me want to bleach my hair and cut it short, which thankfully I didn't because I don't think I can rock it the same way she can. And um, also, I feel like all the girls had skinny eyebrows and the guys had the biggest eyebrows I've ever seen. It made John Hanna a heartthrob. And I have special memories. Yeah, it was definitely a film that my girlfriends loved. I was on the cusp of becoming a teenager and it felt like a film that dealt with relationships in a very grown-up way, which of course I was 12 turning on 13, so it felt very grown-up. I also spoke with Lucy Cave. Lucy was a major part of the pop culture scene in the 90s and noughties as the editor of Smash Hits and Heat magazine. Sliding Doors really just defines this kind of massive cultural moment in history. It was iconic. It really captured and owned that sense of kind of fate determining your life and how this one different move could completely change the trajectory of where you're going. I reckon there's a lot of people in life who think if they plan their lives, it will work out the way they want it to. But actually, there's so many things you can't control. And I think that's one of the key messages from this film. So Sliding Doors has got that really sort of strong, positive message that I think you need to sort of see failures as areas of growth rather than you sort of becoming a victim of life and ultimately for me it's Gwyneth's hair and fashion that fashion has really stood the test of time the whole style of the movie Gwyneth's hair is still the best hair she's ever had that sort of short choppy um, haircut and it also reminds me of when she was dating Brad Pitt at the time and you see these sort of throwback screenshots of the movie continue to sort of circulate Instagram and TikTok and they just still feel like like they're relevant to this day. This year also marks the 25th anniversary of pop group S Club 7, who topped the charts in the 90s and noughties with hits such as Reach and Don't Stop Moving. And Rachel Stevens had her own sliding doors moment to get into the band when she decided to meet her brother for lunch one day. I happened to be at Sony Records visiting my brother who used to work there. I used to go and get a free lunch. And I literally was sitting there having my lunch, minding my own business, and I got approached by two producers who simply asked me if I could sing. I quickly responded with yes. And these producers knew Simon Fuller, who was obviously putting together this S Club at the time and auditioning, which I had no clue about. So I was in the studio going along with it. And one day the producer said to me, oh, Simon would like to meet you, he's having a big party would you like to go? So I went along to this big party. There was loads of people there. I met Simon, who was absolutely lovely. We had a a really nice chat and that was it. I thought nothing of it. And again, I still knew nothing about the auditioning for S Club that was going on at the time. And then a couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from Simon saying, I'm putting together this band. I would love you to be a part of it. I mean, 
just the most incredible moment. And I spoke to the producers and they said, you have to do this. This is going to be huge. Just go for it. You have our blessing. And yeah, to cut a long story short, that chance moment in Sony Records was a moment that changed my my path, my life, and led to some of the most amazing experiences of my life. National treasure, presenter, actor, and a previous guest on the podcast, Bradley Walsh, has always loved the sliding doors theory, as he feels he's had so many of these what-if moments in his life, none more important than the moment he became the presenter of The Chase. My sliding doors moment was when I was sitting outside of the ITV main offices in the Grays Inn Road. It was raining, and I thought to myself, I've got to get home, I'll walk straight past... But then I decided to stop. I wanted to get back into light entertainment. I was acting at the time on Law and Order. And I wanted to get back into light entertainment. I thought, well, I've got to get home. Now, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll ring Alison Sharman, who was upstairs on like the fifth floor. And she was head of daytime. And I said to her, look, have you got any jobs in daytime? And she said, well, you're acting now. I said, yeah, but I want to get back into LA. She said, where are you? I said, I'm downstairs. She said, pop up over a cup of tea. She showed me uh, an A4 piece of paper with the rules of the chase on it. And the rest is history. And um, do I believe in sliding doors? Of course I believe in sliding doors. No matter what you want to call it, kismet, serendipity, whatever it is, whatever door you're going to take, that's the one you're destined for. And I think, of course, after all that's gone gone with it and the film, the film's 25 years old. What if, the film's a fantastic film. I, um, I remember watching it first time around. It was a friend of mine that said, I have to watch it, and I did. And I thought the cast were brilliant. But moreover, I think Peter Howitt done a fantastic job with it. He's a nice guy, Pete, and um, a very, very nice man. Not just a very good actor, of course, but a wonderfully talented director. Peter Howitt's sliding door moment was to make that film. It's as simple as that. And uh, it's a great phrase. And long may it rain. Last up, we have Stephen Bartlett, entrepreneur, investor, author, and the host of Europe's number one podcast, The Diver CEO. He regularly mentions the sliding doors moments in his and his guests' lives on his podcast. So it only felt fitting to include one of his. And it's a good one. When I was 14 years old, I applied for a TV show called The Apprentice, which is a big show globally. And for the first time ever, they announced that they were going to do a junior version of the show called Junior Apprentice, where like 14, 15, 16 year olds could apply. And I didn't tell my parents. I got on a, tra a train at 14, 15 years old, and I went up to London to audition, which was about four hours away from home. And I went to the auditions where there was 35,000 kids split across several dates around the country. And I stood in those auditions, back-to-back -back knockout rounds for about six hours in total, six or seven hours in total. And I, on the auditions, you know, I met so many amazing kids in the line. We, I was full of nerves, um, trying my very, very best, nervous. You know, we don't come from a family that have a lot of money. So I, I think mentally, I was placing a lot of eggs in this basket of being successful on that show. And I remember conversations I'd had with a lot of the young kids in the line while I was doing the show, who were also nervous and were telling me about, you know, their lives and their stories. I remember meeting one guy called Jay, Jay Alawalia in the queue and him telling me about his dad's business and so on. Anyway, 
after that audition day, things went very well, in my my view. You kind of could figure out if you'd gotten to the end of the process by just how long you'd been there. And by the time they told me to go home, it was dark outside. And I'd seen a lot of other people be sort of whittled out through through the day. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, I get a call. They say, you've made it. You're, you're down to the final 20 or 30. I go up to London. Well, I, I have what I believe is another fantastic day in the audition process. And then on my way home to Plymouth from London, before I've even got home, I get a call from the producers. And they say to me, we've had information that it's gonna be leaked that you are gonna be a contestant on the show. Because one of your friends has apparently called us or sent an email or something like that, contacted us and told them they're making a Facebook group and announcing that you're on the show. Now, none of my friends knew. I told none of my friends. My mum didn't even know, my dad did, but my mum didn't even know. So it's an impossibility. The one thing this apparent friend knew about me was they knew my first name. They spelt my, my surname wrong, but they knew my first name. And it transpired, something I found out many years later, that it was actually one of the contestants who was trying to sabotage me because they thought that if they could get me out of the show, then they would be called into the show. The TV producer at the time told me that it jeopardized my chances of becoming on the show. So I was kicked off the show, never managed to get onto the show. I was absolutely devastated, really struggled with it. By this time, as I said, my dad and my brothers and sisters knew I found it hard to let them know that I hadn't been selected and also a feeling of resentment for why I'd been kicked off the show, that someone had done something that had denied me of an opportunity, in my view, to change my life. Four years later, I decided to start a business at 18 years old in Manchester. And when I announced that I was starting that business, I get a message on Facebook of all places from a kid called Jay Alawalia. The kid I met in the line when I was 14, 15 years old, when I applied for that show that I got rejected from and kicked off. And he said, heard you're starting a business. It looks amazing. My dad, who he had told me in the line was a billionaire and I did not believe him. My dad, who is a billionaire, would like to meet you. Now, his dad was an amazing man. I met him in London, pitched my idea to him. And he invested more in my company than I ever would have won if I'd been successful on that show. And for me, the lesson in all of this is that, you know, the cliche is that when one door closes, another door opens. But it's also that you never know when a seed that you've planted just by a conversation you've had or a place you've shown up to, regardless of how that experience played out, you never know when those seeds are going to flourish. You never know when they're going to grow and blossom and change your life. And in a moment of real rejection, which was the biggest single rejection I had as a professional business entrepreneur, whatever in my life, turned into also the genesis moment of my career where some four years later, 18, 19 years old, the person I'd met during that rejection ended up giving me more in terms of value and investment than I ever would have got had I not been rejected. So that is the, my very long-winded sliding doors moment. And I th hopefully it's a call also to know that your rejections aren't always as they seem, and sometimes they are just redirection. It's still so amazing to think that from that close brush with death that Peter had on Charing Cross Road nearly 30 years ago, he created a film and popularised a concept that has stood the test of time. I asked everyone, how do they feel 25 years on when they hear the term being used? Because the term silent doors has gone into the vocabulary and the, the lexicon of language, I feel incredibly proud that that came from me and Peter sitting, working out, 
from sitting in his flat or him sitting in my flat or some scuzzy office somewhere, that it is now a worldwide saying. And uh, it, it makes me realise that we were right after all, me and Peter. <laughs> I've always said, you know, people people ask you about, you know, people coming up and how does that feel? People just want to come up and say hi or whatever. But generally, they don't want to come up and say, you're that guy in that film, you were shit. <laughs> they want to come up and say, oh, I really like you. Even if they don't really know who you are, you know. Oh, big fan, you know. <laughs> That's that guy in the telly. Big fan, love your work, mate, all that. So they say, they tend to say nice things. And sliding doors, obviously, is, you know, the fact that it's become such a part of the common language. People understand what it means. We might never have seen the film. I'm proud of the work that I did in the film. And so I, I kind of, I'm very sanguine about enjoying that and, and, and proud of, like, you know, having a connection to something that's that good. You know, I'm, I'm part of that. That feels amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm really proud to be a part of uh, this film. I just had an incredible experience. So when I look back at it, it's it's a warm glow for me, which, as we know, not every experience can be positive and great. Uh, you know, certainly in the entertainment business, some films you have a good time, sometimes you don't. And uh, and I just have just such a, a fondness. I mean, I I feel incredibly blessed to have been a part of that journey musically and to have gotten to know Peter and, um, and and you know we still stay in touch he every now and then he sends me an email saying hey how the fuck are you man and you know like he swears like a trooper and, and I love it you know no one writes me emails like that and it's yeah, always a pleasure to hear from him. <laughs> how does it feel for you when you hear it being used as part of our everyday culture 25 years later probably even longer than that from when you had the idea of the film how does that feel for you it's honestly fantastic it's such a sweet thing for me and I watch a lot of football I'm a football fan and I was even watching a Man United game the other day and they were showing a picture of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson in the stand and the commentator was said you know uh, 18 years ago he was uh, almost going to sign to be the manager of, Z of Ipswich Town and uh, who knows what would have happened he said there's a sliding doors moment if ever there was one and it just makes me glow I, I just think how lovely to and that's why I think it's important when I was talking about the fact they never changed the name because if it was called did she didn't she will she won't she you that sliding door you're not going to call it a did she didn't she moment there's something weird about a sliding doors moment and i love here's what i love most i love the fact that there are people who use sli a sliding doors moment who have either a never seen the film and don't even know it's attracted to a film and even nina told me the other day nina young that she had an argument with a guy who said that we named the film sliding doors because of the sliding doors moment and that's why it's called sliding doors and the chicken in the egg the other way around and actually i love that that it's sort of blurred it people use the term now and don't some of them don't know where it came from it's just in the vernacular and that's very gratifying because that'll probably never ever go away As I look back over this documentary and all the interviews I've done, it's been so beautiful to see how much love there was when the film was made. And I really think that has a lot to do with its success. Whether you believe in fate or not, every day we live through moments and make decisions that shape the path of our lives. Sliding Doors isn't there to tell you what to believe in. 
It's there to open up a world of thoughts and theories for the audience to interpret what they believe to be true. I thought long and hard about how to wrap up this anniversary special, but really, there was only ever one way. You know what those Monty Python boys say, don't you? Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Thank you so much for listening to Sliding Doors 25. Thanks to Mags Creative, a podcast production and promotion company, for their support, and a special thanks to Palama Kaufman for bringing the show to life. A special thank you also to the cast and crew of Sliding Doors who are involved in this series, and to my special celebrity guests for their contributions. You can listen to my podcast, Sliding Doors, where I interview guests about the three Sliding Doors moments in their lives, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. There's over 60 episodes for you to enjoy. And please remember to rate, review, subscribe and share this podcast with a fellow Sliding Doors fan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.